Hey, this is Suhei Piedra, tax consultant with Prominence Business. And if you want to learn the six and seven figure science to success, significantly increase your revenue and learn how to successfully build professional relationships, you should be listening to the Sell Without Selling podcast with my good friend, Stacy O'Byrne. If you're ready to get out of your own way to follow the seven-figure science of success, then welcome to Sell Without Selling. Tune in with renowned international speaker Stacey O'Byrne as she shows you how mastering relationships, achieving the proper mindset, and attaining the necessary motivation will catapult you away from failure and onto your journey to greatness. And now, here is your host, Stacey O'Byrne. Hey, welcome back to another episode of Sell Without Selling. I'm your host, Stacey O'Byrne, and today I'm speaking with a really good friend of mine, Suhei Piedra. Suhei, throughout her 17 years of tax preparation, has come to find that taxes and investments are completely intertwined. So much of what happens on the investment side impacts a client's taxes and vice versa. Having the knowledge in both areas has given her a specialized approach to financial planning with her clients. Her passion is educating clients on strategic ways to manage, grow, and sustain their wealth. Much of this was born out of the 2008 financial crash. Dealing with families going through tough times taught her that it was not about the amount of money earned instead how they managed their money. Since then, she's changed the way she approaches tax preparation and consultations. Her mission is to have conversations that are not easy, yet needed regarding money and future planning. She always tells her clients, I can't change what happened in the past, yet we can change and try to help change the future. By not just preparing your tax return, yet instead analyzing it, she can make recommendations to allow her clients to keep more of their hard-earned money. Anybody interested in that? I bet you you are, because I know I am. When we fail to tax plan, Uncle Sam becomes the winner. Let's talk about her professional qualifications. She has a bachelor's in accounting. She's an enrolled agent, a certified tax preparer. She has her series seven and her series 66, and she's insurance licensed. She's the oldest of five sisters. She has two amazing kids, Emilio 18 and Leanna 14. In her free time, you can find her out trail walking and enjoying a good book. She loves being spontaneous and going with the flow, taking unplanned weekend road trips to enjoy the scenery to get away and spend time with family. That is so important. I believe that learning the art and the science of how to sell without selling is the only way to achieve high six and seven figure success. I'm so excited for you to hear today's conversation with Suhei. And really quick, if you're a business owner, entrepreneur, sales professional, and you haven't hit the level of success that you've wanted or needed, or if you're stuck and needing a pivot in your business, in your success, or you just want more, and you understand the importance of having a coach to help identify the blind spots, increase accountability, help with success strategies to take you, your business, your income, your success to the next level, 
If this sounds like something for you, then head over to pivotpointadvantage.com slash I want success. That's pivotpointadvantage.com slash I want success. There's a quick application there that will lead to a personal phone call with me to see if we're a great fit for each other. All right, let's do this. Suhei, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me, Stacey. I'm excited. Oh, so am I. You know, I, I've had the pleasure of getting to know you over the past year and the breadth, the wealth of information that you have and the strategies that you use for your clients is really exciting. I'm really curious, what, what got you into taxes? What, what took you that direction? Well, um, that is a very humble story. Um, my parents being immigrants, um, you know, not knowing the language and stuff like that, mm. being the firstborn, I was forced always to, you speak English, you should know, you know, and um, for, a, I was maybe 12 or 13, um, they dropped their tax return and they didn't know how to put it back together. At that point, there was no electronic filing, it was paper filing. Mm -hmm. and um I went to my neighbor who uh, was a white older gentleman and I said my parents dropped their this document and they don't know how to put it back together mm -hmm. I don't know which one's federal which one's state you know whatever and he looked at me and he goes I don't either and I'm like in my mind of course I'm like wait a minute but you're an American you're white you should know this right mm -hmm. um but that opened up the fact that it didn't matter who you were, where you were from, whether you spoke the language or not. Um, taxes are just mysterious. And nobody knows how they're put, you know, to be put together or what's what or what department is what. So at a very young age, I started reviewing the forms. I started understanding. I started catching mistakes that the tax preparer for my dad was making. Being so young, my dad thought, I was wrong, but then he would take it back to his preparer and he'd be like, oh yeah, I, I did. I did forget to, you know, put this or put that or whatever. So because I took that interest, I started understanding the flow of the forms, the flow of the numbers, what number goes where, what does what. And I didn't know strategies then, but I did know how to read enough to say, hey, you know, you're supposed to put a social security number here. Or you're supposed <laughs> to put the right address or whatever, right? Yeah. Um, but, um, after that, it was just, no one's ever done my tax returns. No one's ever done my family's tax returns either. So I've always took, done them myself. And I was probably 16, 17 when I started, um, you know, you could self-prepare and, yeah. and, uh, you know, I took it on from there, but it became literally a passion after that. It was just, I understood them. I knew them and I love them now. That's phenomenal. So, so you've gotten this education. When did you realize that, that you needed or wanted to diversify to give you a greater understanding of leveraging taxes and to be more valuable to your clients? I mean, rarely do you find a tax preparer that has a background in accounting, is an enrolled agent, uh, they're they're an, e, an EA as well as a certified tax planner, but then wait. I mean, that in itself is cumbersome because you have all of your continued education expectations, right? Huh. Then add to it, you went and got Series 7 and 66 license. And for those of you who don't know, 
that's financial advising, right? And it means that, that she can recommend stocks and everything like that and, and help people invest. But then you went out and got insurance license too. Are you just bored? <laughs> so, <laughs> so what all, all of these areas, you know, it's kind of like you're, you're this breadth of financial solutions, all of which have continued education expectations. What made you realize that the diversity was needed so that you could be more and offer more and help more? So that's a, um, that's a very good convoluted question, right? I mean, um, there's a lot. Uh, over the years, I've, I've been licensed to do tax returns for 17 you know, years, plus mm -hmm. years. Um, and um, originally I started um, doing tax returns when my son was born. Um, just as a side hustle, needed to make extra money. So I, you know, I knew I liked taxes. So I went and I got licensed to do tax returns. Mm -hmm. um, I, uh, before you know it, family members are like, here, do mine. And my mom's mom and grandma and cousins. And they're like, I'm like, wait a minute, I'm not really a tax professional, even though I was licensed to do them. But, you know, the word spreads. And um, I started getting this little following. Um, I was your typical tax preparer, data punch information into a system. Here you go. You know, mm -hmm. this is your refund. This is what you owe. I didn't really take the time to really look at the return, which is your typical tax preparer. Mm -hmm. um, you know, they enter the information into a system. The system spits out a tax return. It's complete. Anybody can sign it. You're good to go. Whatever forms you bring, they get inputted. If you ever get a form, you missed it. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not the preparer's fault. It's your fault for not bringing it. So um, it's, it, it was that for, for a few years. Um, I worked um, at a uh, property management office where I met an accountant. She took me on her wing. I was at the time going to school for a paralegal. I wanted to, to study you know, the law world. Mm -hmm. And um, she's like, you would be really good in accounting. So she taught me everything I needed to know in accounting took me under her wing. I went, followed her to a CPA office where I became the receptionist there. And they're like, okay, you have your tax license. You can answer phones. Um, and again, just very simple data punching stuff of tax returns. Um, but I started meeting uh, more and wealthier individuals or individuals that had, you know, professional jobs where a, um, you know, a professional marries another professional before you know it, they're a family of making $300,000, $500,000 a year. Yeah. And so um, I started to more just kind of evaluate them a little bit more, look at my clients, that, the clients that would come in and, and go out. And I started realizing that the wealthier clients were not necessarily the ones that made the most money. The wealthier clients were the individuals that, you know, um, manage their money better. And that could have been people that made $70,000 a year. I had an example at home, my dad, my dad, my mom and dad's household was always a $40,000 family household. Mm -hmm. And yet their house is paid off. And, you know, they, it's just managing money. Mm -hmm. Through the years, I worked for another CPA who needed assistance with the investment world. So she says, look, you are top on your tax. Would you mind stepping off a little bit and learning more about the investment side? Mm -hmm. And I said, sure. And so I went off, I grabbed um, those licenses. It took me a little while. I cried, I pulled my hair out and they're not easy licenses to acquire. 
But I saw the need the more I started to see the clients that came in and out of that office. And I kept realizing over and over that just because they drive up in the nicest car doesn't mean their finances are in order. And I wanted to learn more about that. How can I help? How can I understand the investment world more? How to financial plan, how to help clients understand their numbers. Mm-hmm. And when I felt secure enough to be able to actually consult clients, I began doing that. I began um, explaining to clients, look at your tax return. Let's look at it from an analytical point of view, not know more what the computer spits out, but let's mm-hmm. look at it and see what are these numbers saying about you? Where, you know, do you realize how much money you made? And when you show them in black and white, how much money they made, where did all that money went, go? That's the first question. I didn't realize I made that much money. Everyone will always look at it and be like, well, where did it go? Then I point them to the number where it says, look how much Uncle Sam took from you. And they're like, whoa, but I didn't owe that or I'm getting a refund. And I'm like, it's not about your refund or the fact that you only owe $1,000 or whatever. It's about the fact that this number here, this line item that's a little bit higher up shows that Uncle Sam took you know, 30,000 or 50,000 or 100,000 or whatever that number may be. And when you point that out to them, all of a sudden they feel cheated. All of a sudden they feel like, wait a minute, no one's ever shown me that number before. Where did that come from? And so I start to explain to them and educate them on the tax return and say, did you know that if you would have just put an extra couple hundred bucks into your 401k or an extra, you know, a couple hundred dollars to, you know, some sort of a deferred retirement account um, that your work offers and they probably match, um, you would have been able to keep more of your hard-earned money. Mm-hmm. Yes, maybe you don't have access to it today, but you will have access to it in the future. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, it still stays on your side of the court and not Uncle Sam, where you're never going to see it again. Um, so just explaining, taking the time, it's taking the time to explain to clients that there's more than just going to work, paying your bills and paying Uncle Sam. They are interested. There's an interest there um, that um, when I ask, a financial planner would have been able to give you this information. Oh, I don't need a financial planner. I don't make that kind of money, you know? And I'm like, you're right. That's fine if you feel that way, but you could, we all can. And um, when I tell them the story of my clients that, you know, um, I have a particular client that I always share the story with. And I say, this client's a custodian making $80,000 a year at most. And he has 12 rental properties and seven of them are paid off. None of them by him. He's retiring early, age 53, because he says, I have money coming out of all these you know, streams that I don't really want to go back to work. I want to take time to be with my family. So, but he never changed his lifestyle. He still drove the same car. He still had the same house. He didn't go buy the shiny new car or the big house. Now it's a different story. Now he's going to take advantage of the amount of money he's made. Mm -hmm. So through all of that is what has created this new unique way of me consulting my clients is just being able to really look at the clients that come in and out of that door and saying, there's something wrong with our system, our education system, our financial system, Mm -hmm. the fear we have of our finances, of our numbers. Um, They're trying to tell us something 
and we're scared. Wow. <laughs> you have said so much in such a short period of time. So all right, I, I, I have a bunch of notes and, and I want to I wanna discuss a few points you've made. So you say that the people who it's not always the people who make the most amount of money are the wealthiest. And then you brought up a $70,000 example, an $80,000 example, you know, and, and I'm sure there's people listening going, well, I make 70 and 80,000 and I can, I can barely afford to live. So what is it that you mean by finances in order? Because I, I think that was a huge statement you made and keep in mind, please understand She's licensed in California. Are you licensed anyplace else? For the security side, I have to be very careful. Obviously, regulations there limit to, you know, what I could say. Yes. And, and I can't make any type of recommendation. And of course, I wouldn't unless I specifically look at your individual, uh, even on the tax side, of course. Um, yes. But when I say having your finances in order, I mean, finances are so many things. I've made relationships in 2008 was a big year big, big uh, slap in the face for a lot of individuals. They would come into the office with shame, couples crying because their cars were being taken away, their boats were being repossessed, foreclosures, credits were being impacted to the point that they didn't know, you know, credit cards were being shut down. So what do they live off of, right? Everything that they were taught on how to use their credit on how to leverage on how to do whatever they were doing was being taken away. So there was a lot of shame in those years. Um, I, I remember that was a very impactful year for me to say something needs to be done. Something needs to be taught to these individuals. We can't just, the people that educate themselves with this kind of information can't just keep it to themselves. We've got to explain that to the clients. I'm blessed that I get to see my clients once a year and I hit them on the head with this realization that we need to have our finances in order and then they want to know more. So then they come back. They want to reschedule an appointment to come back and talk about their budgets and talk about their, um, you know, learning how to take care of their credit, learning how important credit is. We have clients sometimes that are very cash heavy and they can't buy a house or they can't buy a car or, you know, not necessarily a car, but, you know, anything that needs credit worthiness, the, the lenders will say, well, you don't have any credit. Oh, but I have all this money sitting in, you know, in my mattress. Well, that's nice, but you know, we need to make sure that we can lend you money so that, you know, that you're going to make these payments and there's no credit history. Right. So a lot of the times that education just needs to be explained to the clients. Um, when they come to me with, uh, with asking for help with their finances, we look at the very smallest things. I give them homework and I say, just look at the budgets. Where did you spend your money this week? Where did it all go? You know, this month, this paycheck, whatever. And, mm -hmm. um, with accounting, if you see the numbers in black and white, it just opens up your eyes. You realize, mm -hmm. wow, I went out to eat more than my mortgage payment. How is that possible? Why? Because you have added up all those numbers and you get to compare them. Without mm -hmm. comparing them, without seeing them, you just assume, well, I just went to McDonald's, spent 30 bucks, big deal. Well, yeah, big deal. But then you went out to eat to another restaurant or, or that was times three meals or times four meals or whatever, how much your Starbucks costs and um, all of that good stuff. So when you add it up and you look at it in black and white and you realize that that number is higher than your mortgage, it's a shock. And you're yeah. like, wow. You know, and I'm like, that's where your money's at, you know, or whatever other else expenses. That's always one of the big shocker ones. 
Um, but once we start doing that type of homework, we start to chunk it down, break it down. I'm not saying don't go out to eat every day. I'm just saying instead of, you know, three meals, have two meals outside or little by little, instead of going to Starbucks every single day, do it every other day. Mm-hmm. Um, but all of a sudden we know where to slice and dice from. We know where to skim down from. Uh, once we start looking at your butt, but where your number, where is your money going? The nice. majority of the time. Nice. You know, most people don't do that. And you're right. You know, most people show up with life and, and they exist in their life and they spray and pray and they really have no idea where their money's going or what they could be doing with the money that they're spending versus investing. And, you know, it's about finding that harmony. It's about finding that, that, that balance in what it is you want, what it is you're willing to do to get it, allowing yourself to still live, still take those vacations, still, I'll say in air quotes, spoil yourself and yet be responsible for your future dreams and your future plans. That's correct. I mean, I was in a, in a similar situation a long time ago. I had bad credit. I had debts coming out of my ears. But you live and you learn and you realize that the stress, that stomach ache you get because you don't know how you're going to pay the bills the next day or you feel like you get paid and you're broke the next minute because everything cleared your account. I've been there. So I know the feeling I know. And there's there shouldn't be shame. There sh- you shouldn't feel embarrassed. You, you should feel like, you need help. We need to figure this out. I become that tool to my clients. I make myself accessible to them to make them feel comfortable. Like, Hey, let's just talk about this. The solution is not going to be overnight. It does Mm -hmm. take a little planning. It's a process, but if Mm -hmm. we can get started, that's, you know, half the battle right there. Well, it takes people years or decades to create their current financial situation. So it's going to take the same time or, or percentage of the time to, to shift it and get out of it. You know, you, you brought up the shame word. Why, why do you think so many people fall into that trap of shame when it comes to their finances? For many reasons, I think, um, you know, we always look at someone and assume that their life is perfect. And it could be anybody, it could be your neighbor, your sister, your mom, your, you know, your coworkers, and it's not. So when you, you're, you're embarrassed, you're afraid to show what you, your true colors, because you think that that other person's life is, is perfect. And it really isn't. Um, if I, what I have learned sitting on this side of the chair and preparing everyone's taxes and looking at their financials, I've realized that no matter how nice everything looks on the outside, their finances are not, doesn't say the same story. Their tax return doesn't say the same story. You know, I get calls of individuals, um, that I meet and they'll be like, oh, well, I haven't filed taxes for, uh, you know, five years. So (laughs) Okay, wait a minute. You look so put together and you haven't filed for five years. No, you know. And it's easy. It's easy for us to, you know, uh, dedicate our time to other things. And before you know it, we haven't paid our own bills or whatever it may be. What I want to say is we're all in the same boat. There shouldn't be any shame. In fact, we should learn, try to learn from one another so that, you know, uh, it's easier to talk about. I wish it was more in our education system 
it was taught. I mean, that's one of my goals is I want to be able to teach uh, teenagers. How many times haven't I said, oh my gosh, if I would have known this, you know, when I was much younger, Yeah. you know, yeah. things like that, you know. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I, I, I think that our educational system is outdated and focuses so much on what was as opposed to on what should or could be. Because you're right, you know, I, I, I remember growing up, home ec existed. And I, I took home ec and had no desire to ever sew a vest. I can go to Nordstrom's and buy a vest, right? <laughs> Not that I wear vests, but you, you're following what I'm saying. I think, I think the, the practicality of life and budgeting and, and, and future planning and financial planning, I think all of that is necessary and, and it's missed. Now, now, I know you work with, with a plethora of clientele from the solopreneur to the entrepreneur to the W-2 employee to um, the, the 1099 to you know, the large corp corporate owner. You, you have a breadth of clientele. And, and through that, I, I, I can only assume and venture to guess that, that you see varying degrees of, of wealth and success. So as a, a tax professional, as a wealth planner, how do you define success? When you realize that using other people's money, okay, OPM. is a technique that's available. And if you learn how to use that, mm -hmm. they actually help you have more time for yourself spend more time on what you find value in, whether it could be your family or working or traveling or whatever. So to me, that is just understanding that you can leverage that you can use it. So many other tools available. A lot of us feel that we have to go to work and pay our bills. And if we need an extra money, we have to work overtime. We have to get a second job. We have to, you know, pick up extra hours. How, how does that stress on us make us successful or how does that, you know, tear down our health, you know, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. So when you realize that there's tools available out there to use um, where it's not just your money, but other people's money that are helping you create that wealth and that freedom that you're looking for, that mm -hmm. success that you are after is, I think that would, to me would be, it's just so eye-opening. Yeah. So Let's talk about a, a sensitive topic right now. And that is, you know, we just ended 2020 and 2020 was definitely, uh, in my opinion, and I've said it in multiple episodes, a year of clarity, a year that, that gave us all 2020 vision of what worked, what didn't work, what we needed to change, what we needed to do more of and what we needed to do less of and how we needed to do things differently. And in a multitude of other clarities on a multitude of other lessons. 2021 started and, you know, the pandemic is surging. Business owners, entrepreneurs, employees are, are still in this, this what do we do now pattern, right? As, as a wealth expert, as, as a money expert, what can they do? I mean, you know, the, the government last year released the PPP. I, I heard rumor that grants are being released right now. 
There might be a second round of PPP coming. How can any professional, whether they're a W-2 or a business owner, and I understand the strategies are different. I also understand you can't give strategies, right? However, you can give advice and they can reach out either to you about the advice or to their professional about the advice. What can they do to navigate these times? There's many things out there right now that you could take advantage of, okay? Um, you know, there's the PPP, the idle loans, there's California has grants, you know, um, that are, are being offered to businesses and, you know, some individuals that are low income get um, assistance from even the state level. Um, but it's, it's hard, Stacey, when you see the people that benefit from this are the people that don't need it as much as the people that do right but evaluating again just perspective looking at people from the outside I'm like why is it you know I'm seeing we've got businesses that are surging businesses Mm -hmm. that, that pivoted and took advantage of this opportunity and and just change the way that they do business mm-hmm. to continue to do business. Yeah. Um, so when I start to, when I kind of look at these people and I talk to them, I had a client in here yesterday and um, I'm not kidding for about 30 minutes after his appointment, we just brainstormed on mm. what he could do to continue to grow his business. His business made, I want to say four or five times more and yet, than any other year in a year of craziness, right? Yeah. And if you look at all his, uh, you know, businesses in his industry, they are shut down. They're no longer they they can't do their job. It, just to give you, an, it's an industry of um, the gym, a, a gym and a trainer. Okay. And yet he made five times the amount of money he would have made. You know, he made in a year of where all these gyms are closing, all these people are not you know, going wow. to the gym or trainers are not uh, being able to meet with their, with their clients. So when we brainstorm, when he came in here for totally something else, we, were, we reviewed the financials just like any other client, but then we sat down and we brainstormed things that I learned from team, things that I learned from my other networking groups, things that you know, I learned from my own marketing team, whatever it may be. And I said, oh my gosh, you should try this. Oh my gosh, you should try that. Or, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. And we kind of kept giving each other pointers back and forth. I realized that this is my business. This is what I do. We, I love to share. I love to share. And when uh, one thing doesn't work, let me tell you what another client did. Hopefully that works for you. Or let me tell you what so-and-so is doing. Maybe that'll work for you. Mm-hmm. So when these businesses or the individuals find themselves, um, in this craziness where they just can't get out of, look for other individuals that are like-minded. Look for these individuals that can help you get ideas, that can brainstorm with you. Look, reach out to your professionals, see what kind of advice they can give you. Um, And I'm not saying you have to pay for it. Some of this is free stuff, you know, that is available, networking groups, maybe it's an annual fee, maybe it's a subscription, Mm -hmm. but sitting there waiting for all of this to pass is not the answer um no it's just not businesses have to pivot and find new ways to create either new income streams or new marketing ways of doing business 
I'm really glad that, that you brought up two perspectives right now. I love hearing that a business in an industry that was annihilated, devastated, you know, used to being face-to-face, mano-a-mano, no social distancing, had to have hands-on, figured out a way to pivot to create five, six, seven times gross revenue. You know, it, it, it's about what's between our ears that allows us to step back and, and figure things out, not to mention surrounding himself with individuals that could see what he couldn't and communicating it. That was the one thing that, that for me was a huge golden nugget because there are a lot of industries, there are a lot of businesses, there are a lot of people out there that are sitting back going, I'm in an industry that's been impacted significantly and, and, and I can't do anything. When reality is, it really is a choice, you can. It's just a matter of whether or not you're willing to, right? Focused on the wrong problem. Yeah. And then the, the second thing that, that you brought up, it's what I heard, and I heard it because of how well I know you. So I'm going to form it into a question instead of delivering a summary. What, in your opinion, what should someone look for in a tax expert, an accountant, a tax preparer, somebody who can help them paint their financial success and their financial future. Because look, in, in my opinion, there are three different types. The person that key punches paper, hands it to you, says sign this and mail it to this address. You're either getting this much back, give me your bank account or write this check, include it with it. That's tax preparer number one. Tax preparer number two is when you ask questions, they give answers, but that's great. You have to know what questions to ask. And then tax preparer number three is the one that sits down. They do an immense amount of analysis on your tax returns. They partner with you. You're constantly having conversations and meetings. In your opinion, what should someone look for in a tax partner? A relationship. I ask the questions I ask because I truly care about my clients. Um, I know that in my, I mean, I'm not saying my tax return is the best, the, mo- the perfect, I'm not going to miss anything, right? I mean, error is still error. It, it, it'll happen sometimes. Mm-hmm. But what I'm saying is when you're looking for the professional that you want to work with is someone that is going to be part of your team, that's batting for you, that is looking out for you, um, you know, that you can pick up the phone and ask that question. If you, you know, maybe you'll get one of my staff members or you'll email a question or whatever, but we are all in the same boat. They'll know what to ask me that you can get that answer. When you come in and you tell me, oh, I did this last year, you know, I sold the house or I, I sold my business or I acquired this or I did that. It's too late for me to say you should have done, you know, you could have done this. You could have done that. The year's over the action's already taken place. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I say, well, why didn't you call me? Or, you know, why, why I didn't think about it? It's like, I want my clients to think of me every single time they're about to make a big purchase, a big sale, you know, a big event happens in their business, in their personal life. It's like, 
they need to think, oh my gosh, I should call Sue, right? I, I want to see what she has to say about it. Um, because the relationships I've built and when they call me, I mean, a client came in and she said, um, I'm about to sell, uh, you know, my rental property because I'm going to go buy, you know, something crazy. And I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute. What did you just say? And she's mm -hmm. like, yeah, you know, this is a new client to me. I've never touched her stuff. Um, I just did a consultation with her, but um, she was, you know, going to be on board. And I'm like, you, you, you do understand that if you do this, well, I called my tax person and, and they didn't even bring that up. And I said, uh, no, um, just from the glance that I took, you're going to pay, you know, $150,000 in taxes. If you sell this property, mm -hmm. you need to either 1031 exchange it or do something mm -hmm. else. Well, before you know it, she had seven days to do something about it. Okay. Um, I was, she's sitting here in front of me just to ask me to fill out a form, but because <laughs> I went and cra crazy questions, I said, you know what, let me make a couple of phone calls. She's sitting in front of me. I picked up the phone. I called my, you know, my friend, a real estate agent. I called my friend, a tax attorney. I called my friend, a real estate attorney. I called my 1031 exchange person. And then before you know it, we had a plan for her. And then I said, oh, by the way, guys, um, we have seven days to make this happen because <laughs> she touches that money uncle sam won right yeah. and it was amazing to see my team of professionals that have i have no i mean this is just you know a group of mm -hmm. individuals that i network with just everybody come into play for my client um i mean i have a client for life she was just like amazed that we can pull this off in such a short time um, and that's what I mean when you need a relationship with that professional, someone that will take the time to say, wait a minute, you know, and put you in contact with other great professionals that um, you don't really have to do anything other than, um, you know, sit back and let the professionals do what they're good at and mm -hmm. uh, lead you the right way. So that is what I think people need to look for is a partner uh, a team member, someone that bats for them and understands, you know, what their goals are. Yeah, you know, I, I, I have found in my personal experience, if, if you have to ask all the questions as a client, you're probably not with the right person because you don't know what you don't know. So there's so many questions you're not answering that could benefit you. Uh, you, you brought up networking, and, and, and I'm really curious, how has networking benefited uh, your business, your success? So my business, you know, I have the education of 17 years, but my business itself, prominence itself, has only been, you know, it's fairly young. So I have the same problem that a lot of other businesses have of, you know, how do I get clients? How do I get referrals? You know, what do I do? Mm -hmm. um, we were blessed enough that uh, we met someone early on in our business, um, you know, within the first year or so, I think that we had started our business um, and um, we were referred to an all women's group. Mm -hmm. In that all women's group, no one in my industry was in it. So it was super easy for me to go in there sell. But that was not my point. Again, I want to build relationships. Mm -hmm. So I went in there meeting everybody, knowing what they're doing, you know, 
and, um, and things like that. But I only saw them, I think once a month or something like that. There, I met another young lady who introduced me to Team Referral Network. And uh, she invited me to a brand new group that was barely going to launch. I think there's like four members in, in it. But I saw the concept. I knew there was something there. Maybe the team was small, but I knew there was something. I just didn't know what. Within those four individuals, Anna Robles was there. And mm-hmm. so she's like, I'm going to invite you to my team chapter so that you can see a more, you know, a, a real, a more mature group. So you can see what it's really about. Mm-hmm. And so I did, I went with her the following day or following week, something like that. And I was introduced to um, a chapter and I was like, this is what I've been looking for. Groups of individuals like-minded that we're all here on a professional level and we get to brainstorm, you know, we get to get there early and talk about our own businesses, our own problems we may be having, trying to find solutions And then when the meeting starts, yeah, we have our processes, we have, you know, things to follow or whatever through those relationships. I have friends that I consider, I mean, I have professionals that I consider really good friends Mm -hmm. and I can call them. And so now to my client, I seem like the expert in everything. And I'm like, no, I'm not the expert. I just know someone that knows what you're talking about, you know, or what you need. And through the presentations that I get to listen through them on a weekly basis, Mm -hmm. um, I somehow end up, you know, knowing more than a typical, you know, individual would on that in that industry. And that's why sometimes the clients think I'm the expert, but I'm not, I don't sell houses, even though I could tell you uh, about houses, I don't do lending, but I have mortgage lenders that, you know, I meet with on a weekly basis and I know Mm -hmm. the ins and outs of the industry. And so, you know, here's a referral. Mm -hmm. So to me, network has grown my business, uh, just substantially over, you know, the last year or so, I felt that because I've built those relationships, it keeps on giving, right? It's, I met so-and-so and and they said, you're the girl to come to. I have a question. I'm selling my house. And like I said, it's just these random things sometimes. Mm -hmm. And they're referred to me by someone that I met through one of my referral or my, one of my networking groups. I love that. I love that. So, so you, you brought something up and, and, and I, and I want to avoid it just being skimmed over. You used to be an employee. You have 17 years experience in taxes, which means you started when you were 10, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, so what made you hop the fence from being an employee to actually being a business owner? Because that's a big leap. It is, especially when um, you, know, you, you get used to a paycheck. You get used to a good salary, you get used to, you know, benefits and stuff like that. So I always knew that I wanted to have my own business, but I always kept pushing it away because it was never the right time. The security of having a job always made me feel more comfortable than taking the leap of faith. When you have a boss that was putting you through just so much emotional turmoil to the point that you're questioning your own sanity. I said, wait a minute, there's something wrong here, right? And I would cry. And you're not supposed to cry. You know, you're not supposed to cry. You're supposed to love what you do. And that was the thing. I love what I do. I could go to work and sleep at work and wake up and continue to work. I mean, I love (laughs) the passion, what I do. Mm -hmm. But the people surrounding me, 
I did not. And so um, when I would come home and I would cry to my sister Cruz and she was having issues, you know, her job, she's like, why are we torturing ourselves? Like, why, you know? And it became to let's find the answer to that why, you know, and the security and like I said, all that stuff. So um, we gave ourselves a deadline. We said, you know what, by the end of this year, we're going to just quit our jobs and start our own business. You know, you'll do the tax, I'll do the bookkeeping. And, you know, it just, it was like this cute little plan, right? Mm -hmm. When time came, I could not jump. I was so scared. I have a family to support. I have a household, I have a mortgage. I couldn't do it. So Cruz did it. Cruz being the brave, my sister Cruz being the brave soul that she is, she did it. And she's like, okay, I'm waiting. I'm waiting <laughs> down here. <laughs> and so um, I did it. I did it because of her. I did it because she pushed me. I knew I could do it, but I just needed that push. So and it's her fault if it doesn't work out. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> um once it was done Stacy it was like why didn't I do this sooner right why did I wait so long you know Mm -hmm. but you can't waste your time thinking about that it's more um let's move forward when people when clients meet me and they come in they think we've been in business for years and Mm -hmm. when I say we haven't they're like wow you know but I say well the experience time wasn't wasted. I learned a lot. I met with uh, really good individuals, a lot of really business owners that I all learned, that I learned from. So mm-hmm. it wasn't a waste of time. It was just adding, adding more resources to my knowledge. So now you've been in business for how long now? About a year and a half? Two uh, we're, we're starting our third year this third year. year. Yes. Third year. Yes. And, 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 and I'm asking for a very specific reason. You guys hit a thriving six-figure business quickly. I mean, you yeah. hit like 12, 16 months and, and you were nailing it, right? I mean, it, it's a shock to us, Stacey, in so mm-hmm. many levels, not just the the money, the, the client growth. When we broke off and we started the business, I counted how many clients I would work with over my kitchen table. Mm-hmm. It was a hundred, a hundred clients that would come to my house and I would work with them over my kitchen table. Okay, uh, Super Bowl Sunday was tax day for me because there was a line out the door of people <laughs> wanting to get their tax returns done. When we opened up the business, we I called, I emailed, I wrote really nice letters to all of them saying, I'm opening up a business, just like you had told me many times before, mm-hmm. I'm actually gonna open up a business, please send me your referrals. Because I was not embarrassed, but, you know, I just felt like I wasn't really having a, I didn't really have a business over my kitchen table. I would always say, oh, I wasn't open for referrals. It was always like my friends, my sister's friend, my mom's, you know, friend, whoever, some, it was really close individuals. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're always, please see my cousin, please see my mom. You know, it's like, yeah. so that's kind of how it was. It ended up growing to a hundred individuals. And when we opened the doors for prominence, we had a little bit of a party and I said, okay, you know, I'm opening up an office. That following tax season, I doubled my clients. I, all those hundred people turned into two to 50. And um, I was super excited. Um, we learned how to network uh, that following year. Mm-hmm. And this last year, I want to say that we tripled our business. I mean, it was just phenomenal. It was really so, cool. so 
what piece of advice can you give to someone just starting out? And, and I'm asking because for those of you who have heard uh, some of my previous episodes, you know, I talk about how I really think there's going to be an entrepreneurial movement. The bear's been poked. Corporate America is very aware that they can do a heck of a lot more with a heck of a lot less. Right now, an office for them looks like the expense of a laptop, a Zoom account, and a cell phone. And they can have their employees work from home, which means all of this overhead they used to manage is non-existent. And I'm not saying it's going to happen overnight. I'm just saying that they've been awoken and they're going to start making some decisions that are motivated by their bottom line, right? That's why businesses are in business, which unfortunately may create a wave of more layoffs or, or reduced hours or, or fill in the blank, whatever. So I really honestly think we're going to see a wave of people realizing what I used to do doesn't work anymore and I still need to support myself. And the only way that I can do that is to create my own income. So I think we're going to start seeing a lot of people evolve into entrepreneurism. What, what advice can you give to them, especially since you've recently just started out as well? If I were in their shoes, that would be my sister Cruz pushing them off the cliff. That's mm -hmm. the blessing that they, that they, that they, look, they need to look at it as that. Okay. Take advantage. If you are, I mean, I tell this all the time to individuals, if you're on unemployment, take advantage, figure out what it is you want to do. If it's learning a, the trade, or maybe you have a side hustle like I did and make it a career instead of it just being that side hustle, right? Mm -hmm. Let's take a look at what do you really need? What, what do you need to grow? What do you need for that foundation to grow? Mm -hmm. You know, um, if it's like me, like mm -hmm. I said, you know, finding that networking group, like-minded people that, you know, all share those fears, I, I mean, I, I, I'm part of so many private Facebook groups that I share with other accountants, other tax professionals, and so many of them, you know, say the same thing as far as, you know, the fear it is to start your own business, because once they do, it's like, why didn't they do it before, right? Mm -hmm. So if, um, you know, today's economy, COVID, whatever it is, has forced you to be without a job or there's no income coming in, um, and you know, you've always had a passion of doing something, follow it, figure out a way to make that happen. Do you know how many Etsy people are making so much money right now? You know, I remember when masks were offered to me, I was like, no, this thing's going to pass. Why do I want masks with my logo on them? You know what I mean? Like, I'm like, this is going to be over before you know it. And look at this now masks, we have become a trend. Now you want you know, a mask for every day of the week. You want a mask with sparkles because you're going to go to, you know, a nice event or you're going to have a nice Zoom. Um, you want holiday masks. You want all these sorts of different uh, type of masks. So that industry bloomed, you know what I'm saying? So if you find yourself in that situation, the biggest advice is embrace it. Let's see what, what kind of tools do you need to surround yourself with to, to make it grow. I, if it's your passion, I'm almost positive you can make it successful and you can make a living out of it and be happy that you have that business and do what you love to do. I, I, I'd love to also add to that. You brought up the terminology side hustle. There comes a point where you get to acknowledge it is either a, a hobby 
or be a business. Because if you constantly refer to it as a side hustle, reality is it's always going to be a hobby. And if you treat it like a hobby, it's going to cost you like a hobby. If there comes a point where you acknowledge the fact that I need to take this off the side and I need to make this my hustle, then it's a business. And I say all the time, if you treat it like a business, it's going to pay you like a business. If you treat it like a hobby, it's going to cost you like a hobby, right? That is true. Very true. So many times um, people come in here with a side hustle and then I'm like, do you know that if you just dedicated your eight hours a day that you go to work, you know, for someone else to this side hustle, uh, you could probably be making a lot more money, um, you know, and doing what you love. Cause most of the time those side hustles are start from a passion, start mm-hmm. from something that you truly love to do. So it's not work, you know, and when we work together and make them realize that the numbers are there, it's amazing things that can happen. People have quit their jobs to follow that side hustle with support of other professionals that will encourage you because the numbers are there that can show you that those numbers could support you and your family household. It can happen. I love it. Uh, I'm, I'm curious, you know, I, I ask all of my uh, guests who, by the way, are successful entrepreneurs and business owners who have hit, you know, a very comfortable six figure and seven figure income, how and what does coaching do for you? I, I, I know you have a coach. So how does working with a coach uh, help you? So a coach is difficult to explain, in my opinion. Because I was going to say a coach is difficult. I was like, gee, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> a coach is difficult to explain because it's also, it's like, a, it's like the finance term. It's so new to some people, right? Um, we don't know why we need them we still, I think it's still new to a lot of people, but when you start to look at successful people, what do they have in common? I always seem to find in common that they have someone else in their corner. Mm -hmm. I talk about relationships and having a group of, you know, team members or board members, whatever you want to call them on your side. The coach is that person on your side. The person leading the team, in other words, it can be a life coach, it can be a health coach, you know, whatever it is, but it's that person that holds you accountable, that understands where it is you're trying to go. And if it doesn't, they help you clarify that path Mm -hmm. because that was also a struggle. Um, So having that coach is to me, someone that walks along with you and helps you clear the path if that's what you need. That's why I said to me, coach, is, it's still a terminology that a lot of people are like, I don't need a business coach. Oh, what does a business coach really do, right? It's still new to a lot of people, but I know for me successfully in my business and in my health, having someone along the side, helping me make those goals and clear up that path has been well worth putting up with, yes, my difficult coaches. <laughs> <laughs> I won't take that personally, so <laughs> Welcome to the signature question of the show. And that is, what does selling without selling mean to you? I hate sales. Mm. I will always say that. Mm -hmm. I've always been afraid of taking a position where I have to sell something. And then I realized that I sell absolutely every single day. It's just, it's weird, but it's true. I can close sales and people are like, wait a minute. I thought you didn't like selling 
Well, I wasn't selling. I was just telling you what I do, right? And that's where the part comes when you sell something without selling it. When I explain to people what I do or why I think you should be my client or why I think you should follow my advice, it comes from a place of passion. It comes from a place of I'm being genuine. I really, truly want to help you. And they become our client and I sold the deal. And I'm like, I really wasn't trying to sell them. I was really trying to explain to them what I really want to do for them. To sell something without selling is working at creating that business that you're passionate about or that trait or whatever it is that you do. It sells itself. So I, uh, I, I defined it in, in several episodes. And for, for me, sell, selling without selling is about standing on a foundation of self-belief and self-worth and the the inner knowledge to know that regardless of what happens externally you can always fall back on the i got this mentality the sell without selling knows that you're showing up 100% in service you're the expert of the experts in your industry you know you have competition and you also know that you are the go-to solution. You understand it's always about them. You know, you're operating at in, in a win-win or a win-win-win environment. And you also understand that people really don't want to be sold. People really want to buy. And it's creating the environment of educating and communicating and meet, meeting people where they're at in order to take them where they want to go. It's also understanding sales isn't necessarily exterior. You know, sales is interior. In order to get the outer to work, it's important to do the inner work so that when you show up, the outer works. Welcome to the random round, Suhei. I believe success leaves clues. And I like to ask very specific questions and I'm gonna ask one or two, depending. And this way your answers will give our listeners the opportunity to extract golden nuggets and implement them in their life where they see fit. So what does your morning routine look like? Still working on that. Still working on that, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's very chaotic for me to um, set up a, a specific routine, right? So mm -hmm. I try different things that I feel one day will work and I'm gonna stick to that one. So mm -hmm. I still try different things. But right now, this New Year's resolution, we did a new vision board, we set up new goals, we look at, you know, our personal side and our business side. I always say I'm going to do journaling in the morning and I don't. I read this really good book that talk, taught me about stacking and how if I'm going to be sitting in front of the mirror and I'm going to be getting ready, why not just use the mirror as a reminder. So with a lip liner, I wrote on my mirror, you know, what are you grateful for today? Don't forget to do your journal or your journals right there. Pick it up, just write a sentence. And I've been doing that. And I want to successfully say for the last, I don't know, week or two weeks, whatever we've, when I started this, um, it's worked and it's made me hopeful that I could follow a routine that I could drink my vitamins every single day. If they're sitting next to my toothbrush, you know what mm -hmm. I mean? Whatever it is. Mm -hmm. um, but to me, that was important. I wanted to start taking my vitamins every single day. I wanted to make sure that even if it's one sentence that I journaled it, or that I, you know, that I said, thanks to whatever, uh, you know, the great universe and said um, what I'm grateful for today. 
And writing those notes on my mirror, putting the vitamins next to my toothbrush has definitely helped me because those are two things I'm going to do in the morning regardless. So dry erase markers are uh, less expensive than, uh, than my lip liner. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it also pisses off anybody that lives in the house, especially uh, my, my, my cleaning service. They're like, really? <laughs> Sorry. Had, I had to leave a note. I had, I had this genius moment. And <laughs> so last question, last question in the random round. And it's one of my most very favorite questions to ask. And that is, what is your favorite word and why? Patience. Mm, I like that we word. all have to learn to be patient with ourselves, um, whether it's in our finances, in my morning routine, mm. in my diets, in my mm. health. Um, you know, uh, it takes time. Things don't just happen, you know, from one day to the next. And we are all chasing this instant gratification. And I think that's gotten us in a lot of trouble already. So um, learn to be patient um, is, is what um, I'm trying to embrace right now um, with myself and uh, with my business. And things are going to work out. Just, you know, we got to be patient. Well, thank you so much. Suhei, it's been phenomenal talking with you today. I know you're busy. I know you're getting ready to roll into tax season. So you've got a lot of prep going on. I truly appreciate you taking the time to be on the show and sharing your genius and your expertise with our listeners. If our listeners would like to reach out to you, what's the best way for them to get a hold of you? They're welcome to always, uh, you know, give the office a call. Um, our website has all the details. It's uh, www.prominencebusiness.com. And our main office phone number is 626-825-8249. All the wow. social medias, you know, you can find us right there too. And social media, how? I'll make sure that they're in the uh, show notes. Instagram. Uh, we have an Instagram page and our Facebook page, mm -hmm. um, you know, prominence business. You know, we, we, we try to keep uh, active on our social media pages. That's fantastic. Thanks so much. Hey, your success is important to me. And it's also important to me to make sure that these episodes are valuable to you. I'd love for you to do three things right now. First, I'd love for you to hop over to Instagram and follow us at Pivot Point Advantage. Let's hop over to Instagram and follow us at Pivot Point Advantage. Second, second, I would love for you to jump on Facebook and join our Sell Without Selling community. That's Facebook, our Sell Without Selling community. Both platforms, we have a lot of interaction. Last and definitely not least, I'd love to chat with you and get feedback on the episodes. Find out if there's any topics that you're interested in to help make this more powerful and helpful to you achieving the success that you've always dreamed of, desired, and deserved. Head over to pivotpointadvantage.com slash talk to Stacy. That's pivotpointadvantage.com slash talk to Stacy. Let's get a 15-minute call on the schedule. Always remember this, choice is a powerful thing and suffering is always optional. Get out of your way so that you can get on your way so you can finally have your way. Thanks so much for listening. I look forward to talking with you soon. Happy New Year, everyone.
Whether it's mastering your mindset, communication, or success, we have more ways to keep you on your journey to greatness. Be sure to visit us at pivotpointadvantage.com for exclusive online training programs, success-specific courses, and more ways to connect to Stacy directly to help you achieve the financial success you've always desired, dreamed, and deserved. That's all available on pivotpointadvantage.com.